In the next episode of Probably True Solar Stories, we continue with part five of The Solar Heist, or How I Got Into the Solar Business. The Escape. After almost being shot by Richie three times, Charlie and Maz go to confront Richard Prout about who really owns the utility solar project. But Richard won't talk. Worse, Richard attempts a daring escape that frustrates the hell out of Maz and Charlie. La 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 la. La 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 la. Welcome back to season two of Probably True Solar Stories. We continue with our solar noir theme dark but fictional funny stories that center around solar energy. If you don't know what I mean by solar noir, think about movies like The Usual Suspects or Pulp Fiction. And of course, there's Fargo and Blood Simple from the Coen brothers. There were other lighter stories too in this season, but I think they all have a bit of mystery too, especially our ongoing solar heist storyline. Speaking of which... When we last left Maz and Charlie, they had just avoided being shot and maimed by Richie three times, a sadist mob enforcer who tried to force Charlie to confess that he was the rat spying on Richard Prout, the Solar Project's owner. Before dying, Richie three times warns Maz and Charlie that Richard Prout is not the true Solar Project's owner. Was he telling the truth? Let's see if Maz and Charlie can find out. The Solar Heist, or How I Got Into the Solar Business, Part 5, The Escape. Written and read by Tor Solar Fred Valenza. When I was a kid in Staten Island, I often heard adults say that they wished they had a normal life. What they meant was that they wished that there were never any surprises. No sudden illnesses. No moody teenagers. No constant disagreements with co-workers, bosses, or spouses. They just wanted everything to be predictable and controllable. It's all bullshit. Nobody has that kind of life. Something's always going to happen. I'm telling you this because with Richie three times being dead, I thought Charlie was going to pull out his FBI badge, arrest Richard Prout, and that our lives would go back to happy horseshit normal. I'd go back to my solar business, and Charlie, he'd go back on to another case and leave me alone. That didn't happen. Not even close. But I tried. First, Charlie had to get Richard Prout to cough up more information. I can't blow my cover yet, Moz. I don't have any evidence, said Charlie. That was the point of digging up the cats and taking photos and DNA. Richard may not own this landfill, but his corporation is on the deed. If we'd found those dead bodies, then I'd have enough evidence to use his leverage. We can't tie Richard Prout to Richie yet. We have nothing. So now what? Prout probably doesn't think I survived. So we should use that to our advantage and record a conversation that shows he knows about the bodies, or at least about the buried cats, or even about the reason he sent Richie three times after me. So you want me to walk into his office, assuming he's still there, and have this conversation. And what are you going to do? I'll be outside, waiting for the right moment to come in. Charlie pulled out Richie's Glock from behind his belt. I had my empty Luger. 
but the bullets were spread in the dirt when Charlie told me to unload the clip before he told me about his FBI news. I found two bullets. That gave me two chances to shoot Richard if I needed to. When Charlie saw me picking up the bullets, he panicked. No, Moz, you don't get it. Prout can't die. He's the key to the real owner. I can't defend myself? Of course you can defend yourself and threaten him. But if you kill him, everything that we've been working on for the past two years is worthless. The connections all disappear. Got it. And speaking of connections, I want to hear about the months before we met at Phil's. How long have you been setting me up? Not now, Moz. Richard first. Then if we survive this, I'll tell you everything I can. Meaning there are things you can't tell me? Yes, for now. I've already crossed the line blowing my cover to you. Just trust me, Moz. I'm going to protect you and Pauline. But first things first. Get Richard. After that, everything's going to go back to normal. Charlie put his hand on my shoulder and gave it a squeeze. It was like his bro hug. My pop, he used to give me a hug after a drunken smack. He was sorry, but I never knew if he was raising his hand for a hug or a whack. After tonight, I started feeling the same about Charlie's shoulder squeezes. I didn't know anymore whether our friendship was going to help me or kill me. Charlie and I worked out a plan, and then I drove back the excavator to the solar sites trailer and cut the engine. The trailer's light was on, and I could see Richard Prout in the window holding up a cup of coffee and looking at me. His gray-haired head cocked to the side, inviting me in. I nodded. So far, so good. My iPhone's audio recording was already on. I stepped inside and left the door slightly ajar. So, said Prout, so you did what you did. Why, I haven't done anything, Mars, except make a pot of coffee. I'm just buried in solar paperwork. How about you? Not as buried as you. We didn't find any cats, in case you're interested. I should hope not. That was just a way to keep Charlie busy until Richie arrived. Those cats were moved a long time ago. Did everything go well? Do we have to talk about it? I don't want to know the details, but I haven't heard back from Richie. You being here is a good sign of success, but it doesn't paint the complete picture. He's cleaning up. I told him that I didn't need to see his cleaning up methods, and I came back. Interesting. I haven't heard a gunshot, but I did hear some wailful tones. I'm assuming those tones were from Charlie? Like I said, I didn't want to watch. You mind telling me how you were so sure Charlie was a rat? Yes, I do mind. Prout walked behind his desk. I could see he wasn't armed, but going behind his desk could change that. There was a gun there somewhere. He just hadn't shown it to me yet. I had my Luger tucked behind my back, and he probably knew that, but I kept my hands to my side. You know, Richard, I am his neighbor. His wife Beth and my Pauline are best friends. We hung out a lot together, as you know. If Beth asks me questions or cops come snooping, is there a story to back you up? We were both in the solar business, so... What I know, Moz, is that Charlie Boston came here last night to do some paperwork. 
It was late, and I left. You were home with your lovely wife, Pauline. I'm sure she will confirm that, won't she? Richard sat down on his chair behind his desk, but he didn't put his hands on the desk. There were three more steps to shooting me. Open the drawer, pull the gun out, and fire. I promised you $12,500 more in Bitcoin for your troubles, didn't I? Let me make that transfer now. Richard reached for the drawer. That was close enough. I pulled out my Luger from behind my back. Don't touch that drawer, Richard, or I'll blow your head off. You know I will. I charged at him, and Richard flinched, but kept his hands up. Charlie came in through the door, also holding Richie three times fully loaded Glock. So far, so good. But seeing Charlie, Richie looked shocked and, yeah, sad. Oh, for fuck's sake, Richard said. Charlie, please don't tell me that Richie is dead. Richard was sitting in a rolling office chair. I kicked the edge of the chair and he drifted away into the corner. Sure enough, there was a gun in his top drawer. Not his phone. He was going to ice me, and that pissed me off. I took out his gun, and Charlie held out his hand. I knew I shouldn't have, but I gave it to him. He put the safety on and slid it behind his back. Obviously, Richie is dead, said Charlie. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Oh, dear, said Richard. He looked genuinely sad. I didn't understand why until later, but he wasn't being sad for Richie. Where are the bodies, Richard? And how did you know that I was a fed? It doesn't matter. Yes, it does, Richard. Cooperate, and you may spend the rest of your life in a confined cell, but with decent conditions and less violent inmates. Don't cooperate, and your prison bed will be more like a bunk bed. Are you a top or a bottom, Richard? Just shoot me now, said Richard, looking at the trailer floor. Then he raised his eyes. That's not an expression. I mean it. Shoot me, Charlie. We can't do that, Richard, said Charlie. Maz, look in the cabinet for some cable run ties. Tie him up. Gentlemen, have you ever seen a film called A Man Called Otto? It's about a man who fails to kill himself because he becomes loved by others. This is not that picture show. I advise you to shoot me in the head right now. You got it, I said. Richard looked straight at me and smiled, ready to die. Maz, don't. We need him alive. Charlie, I liked you before I found out that you were an informant, so I'm going to make this very easy for you. First, I've got a million dollars in Bitcoin that can be transferred to you or Maz or both in a matter of seconds. That is your reward for cleanly shooting me. The only condition is that you make sure that my death is very public. I want to be in the news. Dumpster and landfill mogul dies after Bitcoin robbery. Murderer still at large. That would be an excellent headline. I'm not taking a bribe, Richard. Speak for yourself, Charlie, I said. I looked at Richard. You know my account. Now we're talking, Moz. I knew I could count on you. Give me my phone. It's in my desk. Moz, this was not the plan, Charlie said. Fuck the plan. I'm getting a million dollars in Bitcoin and getting a normal life. Richie's phone was in his desk. Maybe he wasn't going to shoot me after all. Too late now. I gave Richard his phone, and he unlocked it with a passcode, which I memorized. Charlie would get what he wanted, and I would get what I wanted. 
Maz, I need the evidence, not money. I glared at Trolley. Trust me, Charlie. I saw Richard open his trading app and push his thumbs into the keyboard. Then he handed his phone back to me. There you are, Maz. A pleasure doing business with you. Holding my Luger, I glanced at his phone and then got a notification on my own phone. It was there, a million dollars in Bitcoin. Richard saw the smile on my face. Happy Maz? I've been straight with you. Now shoot straight into me. Do not shoot him, Maz. Just tie him up or I can't help you or Pauline. Charlie pointed his Glock at me. This was a new Charlie. A harder, professional Charlie that I hadn't met before. You wouldn't, I said. Maz, don't test me. Fuck, I said. Charlie knew I couldn't shoot him. Or Richard. But I still wanted the money, and Richard wanted me to have it, as long as I followed through. Jesus, holy Christ, Charlie, said Richard. I'll throw you a bone of information. It should make you understand why Maz needs to shoot me, okay? I'm listening, Richard. Richie Berkeley, a.k.a. Richie three times, whoever you want to call him. We shared a first name, but he was not my son. Let us say that he was my apprentice. Perhaps guardian angel is a better word. He gets into Berkeley thanks to me, and he barely graduates thanks to me. Afterwards, his apprenticeship continued on a full-time basis. I was paid very well for my mentorship services, but Richie's real parents told me that if anything ever happened to Richie Boy, that I should die very publicly, or else my wife, children, and grandchildren would die very privately and painfully. I understand, Richard. My agency can protect you and your entire family in ours. No, Charlie, you can't. You don't understand how powerful Richie's father is, and you're not going to understand before I die. So no more questions, no more answers. Richard stood up. His office chair slowly rolled back behind him and bumped into the wall. What are you doing, Richard? asked Charlie. I'm going to count to five. If you or Maz don't shoot me, I will come over there, kick both your asses, shoot you, and then shoot myself. Right, said Charlie. Richard smiled. One, two, three, four, five, he said, counting quicker than a kindergartner playing hide-and-seek. Then Richard bolted towards me. Don't shoot him, Maz, said Charlie. Shoot me, Maz, said Richard. Richard and I played Ring Around the Rosie around Richard's desk. We kept going in circles, around and around and switching directions, all the while Richard's trying to get my gun. Charlie stayed back, not wanting Richard to go after his gun and follow through with his murder-suicide escape plan. The fifth time around, I was out of breath. If Richard didn't drop dead of a heart attack, I would. Richard, I gasped. Give Charlie the name of the real project owner, and I'll shoot you. I promise. No, you won't, said Charlie. You were supposed to shoot me for a million bitcoin, Richard screamed at me. He reversed directions again, and so did I, still keeping my distance. I know, Richard, but that million dollars is worthless if Charlie's going to arrest me for shooting you. Give him a name, and then I'll shoot you, and Charlie will let me go. Right, Charlie? I can't lie. That's a little gray area, Maz. I suppose if you were defending yourself, maybe. 
I'll take that chance. Tell him a name, Richard. Who's at the top? Then bang, bang, I promise. I nodded to Richard and raised my eyebrows. Richard stopped chasing me around the desk, breathing deep and considering for a second. No, he said at last. I'm not a rat. Give me that gun. Suddenly, Richard pushed his hands onto the desk, swung his legs over, and jumped me. We fell over on the ground. I was tall enough to keep the gun out of his hands, but then he started choking me. Damn it, Maz, can't you knock him out? said Charlie. I'm about to pass out. Shoot him. Better shoot me, Charlie. This isn't the first time I've strangled a man, Richard said. I could feel all the blood rushing to my head. I wasn't going to die for this. I pulled my arm back into reach and I put my gun under Richard's chin. Finally, said Richard. He let go and I could breathe again. But when I pulled the trigger, nothing came out. Richard heard the click. Lord love a duck, give me that. Richard grabbed the Luger out of my hand, pointed the gun under his chin and tried again, but nothing. Understanding that Charlie wouldn't let me have a loaded gun, Richard threw the gun at Charlie, who batted it to the floor. All right, Charlie, your turn. Richard stood up and rushed Charlie, who was still holding Richie's Glock, but Charlie didn't fire. Richard, you don't have to do this. I'm not going to hurt you or let you hurt yourself. Fuck you. As Richard tried to bulldoze Charlie and grab his gun, Charlie stepped aside at the last minute like a bullfighter. Richard hit the wood-paneled wall behind him. He knocked off frame permit approvals, environmental certifications, and schedules. Turning around and out of breath, Richard made another run at Charlie. This time, when Charlie moved, Richard went with him like a curving bowling ball. The force was strong enough to knock Charlie to the ground and knock the Glock out of his hand. Fuck, I said. I headed toward them, but not before Richard got his hand on the butt. Charlie used his right hand to redirect Richard from pointing the gun at himself or at Charlie or at me. With Charlie's left hand, he reached behind his back and pulled out the gun that was in Richard's desk. Now there were two guns pointed at Richard. He suddenly stopped struggling, looking at Charlie's Glock and his desk 9mm and impatiently waiting for one of them to go off. When none did, he shifted his grip to wrestle for his former 9mm in Charlie's left hand. But before Charlie could pull it away, Richard got his thumb into the trigger's loop and leaned his forehead in front of the muzzle, then pushed his thumb on the trigger. Finally, Richard got what he wanted. The shot opened a large hole in his head, and blood sprayed over Charlie for the second time that night. Standing over the two of them, I saw Richard fall over, and he was kind of smiling. Maybe it was the relief that his family would be safe, Maybe he was thinking about finally having a normal life. I mean, come on. Life in hell had to be more normal than all of this. Right? Poor Maz. He tries to do the right thing, and things still don't go his way. And sadly for Maz and Charlie, the complications are about to get worse in part six of the Solar High storyline. That episode will go live at the end of our Solar Noir season. As for next week on Probably True Solar Stories, we're going to switch gears to a more comedic crime story about a naked solar lady. If that sounds R-rated, don't worry. There won't be a striptease, I promise. If you're enjoying these solar stories, there are three things you can do. First, please write a review on your favorite streaming service. 
Second, please share the podcast with a friend who loves a good story that happens to be about solar power. Third, go to probablytruesolar.com and sign up for our newsletter. Also, if your brand would like to support more solar storytelling, I can help with that in a lot of creative ways. Head over to probablytruesolar.com and click on the support tab to learn more. The Solar Heist, or How I Got Into the Solar Business, Part 5, The Escape, was written and read by Tor Solarfred Valenza. Probably True Solar Stories is a production of Unthink Solar PR and Communications. Be bold for solar. Stand out and educate. See you next time.